What's up, everybody? Thanks for stopping by the show. If this is your first time uh, listening or watching, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. It's good to have you with us this evening. Uh, This evening, I actually got a a very special treat for you, and that is two of my friends from Clubhouse are going to be joining me this evening, Uh, one in the first hour and then another one in the second hour. One of them is from Tasmania, uh, Christina Mathewson. She's a naturopath. Here, let me get the uh, credential things here. She is a Australian naturopath and herbalist known for her ability to look at health as your superpower. She started working as a health coach after supporting her husband heal his IBS using the GAPS, G-A-P-S, diet. And then while homeschool, her seven children completed her studies in naturopathy and herbalism, uh, now supporting people in all areas of health and wellness from preconception to end of life care and everything in between. So we will be talking with Christina and then Ash is somebody who I have never even talked to before. Uh, This will be the first time I'm talking to him when he shows up here on the show and uh, you'll be able to get to know him just as I am uh, in real time. And we'll be talking to him. He is from Melbourne and or Melbourne. I don't know which way you're supposed to say it. Um, and then Christina's from Tasmania. So after these messages, the intro, uh, we'll be right back. Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a long-time methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. If you want transparency and authenticity, you're in the right place. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and this is Sean Dustin. Hey. Hey. <laughs> How are you? I'm good, thank you. And yourself? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And thank you. Thank you for joining me this evening. Uh we like I said, I introduced you, Christina Matthewson, uh, from Tasmania. And we met on Clubhouse, which we did. is yeah, it's a that's an amazing platform. I I just I don't think people understand that haven't like you can't understand what what it's like to be on clubhouse and talking on clubhouse until you've actually been there i agree you hear about it and you're like oh this clubhouse thing because when i did it's like oh this clubhouse 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 what are these people talking about this clubhouse thing and then finally once i got there i was like oh my god i can't believe this thing called clubhouse guess what (laughs) i was a believer i bought i bought in hard uh, I remember when I first signed up for Clubhouse, I was like, oh, my God, this is another social media I'm going to have to figure out. And then within about three days, I was, like, fully hooked. <laughs> I'm like, this, this, yep, no, I'm sold. Right. So, which brings us to why we're here. 
And so I've heard you talking quite a bit uh, in the rooms about, you know, your specialty and your sort of wheelhouse, which is the uh, naturopathy and the um, herbalism or herbalist. Yeah. And like some of the stuff that you're talking about, like, like I didn't have a chance to like write anything down. Like a lot of times when you're in, in club, like I'm driving, right. I'm, I'm commuting to work and I'm listening and it's like, Oh my God, I, I, yeah, damn it. I can't do it. And so I miss it. And so I was hoping to get you on here. So now I can get some of it on, uh, on, on video. And so I'll never forget it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And you'll love that clubhouse has got a new feature that's being launched today which is, um, you know, when there's a beautiful, amazing talk, you can record it and have instant replay. So, really? The whole talk? Uh, yes, but it is dependent on the host. Okay. Now, I remember before you couldn't, like, people tend to not want to speak in rooms when when you're, they're being recorded. So I, I haven't played with the feature yet. I just know that it's being launched today. So okay. you've probably already got it. I think we maybe will have it when I jump on Clubhouse later today. Um, so I have. I don't know the ins and outs of the recording part of it yet, okay. but I would okay. suspect there's going to have to be a warning there for people, just like there is with Clippy. Yeah, no, for sure. So let's dive into you. Yeah. <laughs> so you're from Tasmania. How long have I you lived there? So I've lived in Tasmania most of my life. I've had periods of time where I've lived in other states. So I've lived in the sunny, sunny Queensland, um, and but mostly in Tasmania. Um, born and raised as a you know mountain river girl, and travelled to Launceston and then back again to Hobart. So yeah, most of my life, which is probably a good forty odd years. And so, what what got you into like? Uh naturopathic medicine i know you there was something in here about ibs with your husband and treating him yeah so what got me into naturopathy was a whole range i think and i think it's the same for everybody who who enters into sort of a natural health space is that they start with some type of instigator and for me that instigator started first with my uh, first pregnancy. So I had gestational diabetes in that first pregnancy. And my dad was a diabetic when I was a kid. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, if I ever get diabetes, I'm just going to kill myself because like, I don't want to live the life that he's living. I hate needles. I don't want to inject myself. I don't want to do any of that type of stuff. You know, in my teenage brain, that was the worst type of life that you could live. And then here I am pregnant and I get this diagnosis of gestational diabetes. And I'm like, well, that fails that plan because now it's not just my body that's dying. It's, you know, I would be ending the life for a child. And, of course, you know, as an adult, you have different ways of thinking about things. But yeah. I got the diagnosis and I remember sitting there thinking, you know, what, I'm going to do this differently. I'm, I'm going to do it differently. And I was given the, given the information about what I needed to do, blood pricking and all the things, and I was working at, at the university at the time and I went into the medical section of, our, of the library and I literally just pulled out all of the books that were there and I started to look at diabetes and I started to look at gestational diabetes and I remember this one moment coming across this one book written by a doctor that said that in the later stages of pregnancy, if you are using insulin, you're at a greater risk of stillbirth in the last six weeks of pregnancy. And I'm like, huh, okay. And that really got me thinking that, you know, yes, I knew the hospital going to, you know, try and manage that risk and they would monitor me more. But if I didn't need to take that risk, 
why would I take that risk? If I could do everything else I could possibly do to avoid that risk, why would I not do that? And then there was this juxtaposition of what was happening in the hospital. So the doctor would tell me some information. I'd go to the uh, diabetes educator and she'd tell me all of these things like how many Coca-Colas you could have and how much pasta you should be eating and how much bread. And I'm sitting there thinking, all of that stuff is going to make diabetes worse. Why would you be telling me all of this? Why wouldn't you be telling me to eat you know, fresh fruit and vegetables and proteins and good quality fats and all of that type of stuff? And you get you get like three diabetes education sessions. By the last one, she was like, get out of here. <laughs> because I started to like, you know, research so much and learn so much and understand the, the food sort of laws in my country and, you know, the marketing and all of that type of stuff. And she'd sit there and she'd say, well, we need to choose margarine over butter. And I'm like, but are you not concerned about the fact that there is trans fats in that margarine? And she's like, oh, no, we don't have trans fats in Australia. And I'm like, actually, our law says they're allowed to have up to 5% and they don't have to advertise it. Like, shouldn't you as a diabetes educator know this? It's like <laughs> me saying, here's a beautiful cup of coffee. It's so delicious. I've only just put less than 5% dog shit in it. Do you still want to drink it? And that was literally the things that I would be saying. So by the end of the session, she's like, get her out of here. But at the end of the every session, we'd get to this point where half of the women would come and ask me, what do you know? Tell me how to do this. What are you doing differently and all of that type of stuff? And it started to, to make me think, actually, this is information that other people need to know as well because, yes, there's some women in this group that, you know, really they just give me the insulin and I'm, I'm not going to do anything. But then there's actually a whole bunch of these women who really want to do the best thing for their baby and they're willing to make the sacrifices and they're willing to make the changes and they just need to know how and the hospital system wasn't giving them that information. And that was kind of that first little push into natural medicine for me was you know taking care of my own health being responsible for what I was doing with my baby and my body and then sharing that knowledge with other people so that was that first little push and then the next little push came with now having the baby and you know we had this beautiful baby girl we did all the things that we were told to do we went and got her baby checks we you know did all of the things we got her measured we we you know listened to all the advice that the nurses and the doctors were telling us and we wanted to be good parents and part of being a good parent is to vaccinate your child and so mm. even though inside of me I just kind of felt not right about it I really brought into be a good mum. You want to be a good mum and this is the best thing you can do for your children. So I went along with it and I went and got my little girl vaccinated all the way up to her 12-month shots. So she had and in those 12-month shots, that morning she had it. By that night we were driving to the hospital in a hurry because she was having such a high temperature and she was starting to go limp. And so we took her to the hospital. In the hospital, they said to us, yes, this is a vaccine reaction. She's having encephalitis. Uh, and, you know, they did everything that they could, but they were warning us we needed to prepare ourselves just in case um, she didn't make it through. And if she did make it through, we might end up with a baby with severe brain damage. But none of those medical people that said those things to my face actually put it down in her medical records. And so we went through this experience of stress and worry that our little baby wasn't going to make it. And then she did make it through. But what happened directly after that was she broke out in severe eczema. 
and her eczema would be so extreme that I would have to hold her hands at night so that we wouldn't wake up with blood through our bed because she'd been scratching her skin off because she was so itchy. And so that, again, was another one of those leaps into am I going to keep going down this pathway or am I going to do something differently? And that was that fork in the road that said, no, I'm going to do something differently because at that time I was pregnant with my next baby ready to give birth as well. So that that for me was that decision of I'm not doing this again to another one of my children, which means I need to take responsibility for how I manage their health and look after them for their childhood until they're 18 and hand over the keys. It's your turn now. You're responsible. Uh, and so that, again, was another little push. And then, of course, that's a big, I that's a big push. Now, but I remember the day when I had four children. <laughs> and, yeah, that, that was a, absolutely a big push. Um, but then, then the other thing that moved me into naturopathy was my husband had irritable bowel syndrome and psoriasis and a whole heap of other things like chronic back pain, et cetera, et cetera. And he used to be in so much pain at night that he couldn't actually sleep. And so I got to this point where I'm like, we'd gone to the doctors, we did all the things, we did every freaking test that there was possible to do. One doctor just said it was in his brain. Another doctor said it was because he was making his wife have so many children. And I'm like, how has any of this got to do with his stomach? <laughs> and so, again, wow. I went, I need you to be functional. Like, I've got too much to do. I need you to be functional. So I'm going to take you through this process. I'm going to figure this out and we're going to fix this and we're going to resolve it because, you know, I need you to be functional. And that was probably the final nail in the coffin that said that's the pathway that we're on for the rest of our lives. Wow. So, yeah, there's just a few things there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, for one, I mean, good for you. That's difficult. Um, It's difficult to pull away from all of the – well, first, let me say that I've been thinking about like, all right, what am I going to talk to her about? And this is one of those things, for, you know, because I struggle with is pulling away from the standard American diet, mm. right? Get, being able to get out of that. Like I'll get one foot in and one foot out and there's always something that pulls me back in. Like last night, I got plenty of food here, right? Plenty of stuff that I can make, you know, that's healthy. And I stopped and got some fast food. It's like something that I constantly struggle with, and it's it's difficult. I don't know why it's so hard. Why is that so hard? You know, it's like it's got this grip yeah. on people. You know, and uh, I've I've experienced some of the the good effects of you know I, I was on a keto diet for for about I would say three or four months, lost thirty five pounds. Had, you know, was intermittent fasting, you know, for 16 hours would be my, my time that I would fast 16 to 18 hours. It was doing good, you know, was never tired, had tons of energy and it, it was like, it, I just let it slip away. Ugh. You there? And I think that, that the answer to that question is that it comes back to our conditioning. It comes back to the conditioning that we've had as kids, as as youth, and then as adults, the conditioning that we've had. And, of course, there's a whole bunch of media. Like, you know, these guys get paid big money to actually trick you into believing that you need to eat their food. Like, 
there, there's a lot of money invested in that. True, true. Yeah, I mean, you look at, I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess it's no different than Big Pharma. I mean, every commercial you see on the on TV is a Pfizer commercial or, a, you know, so, or some sort of a commercial that has to do with, you know, all these you know, different side effects of this, side effects for that. Oh, no, where'd she go? All right, so she dropped out for a second. Hopefully, she'll she'll pop right back in. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. All of the different. Uh, 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 the internet's just gone a little bit funky. Yeah, I knew I knew you'd be back. Oh, she popped, she now she really jumped out of there. She came back and then she jumped out. All right, well, hopefully she'll be back here uh, momentarily as she uh, tries to figure out her connection issues. I was having a little bit of a connection issue when she was telling her uh, her story about the vaccine injury, and I noticed that my uh, my thing was blinking. Ding, ding. I was like, oh, my God. I was my wondering battery. what you were doing when you were moving around. Yeah, my battery was about to die, and I thought I had it plugged in. I did, but I didn't look at behind, and that plug that plugs into the actual square thing wasn't plugged in. And I was like, I started to panic for a minute. I was like, oh, no, what am I going to do? <laughs> I, I hope it doesn't. Um, so anyways, yeah, what were we just talking about? Oh, food. and Yeah, food marketing. Yeah, and, and and how they do. And I feel like every system runs the same way. It doesn't matter. Like if you look at all of our different systems, you know, the financial system, the medical system, the healthcare system, this system, that system, all the systems, they all seem to function in the same sort of way. Yeah, and you know, we've got to remember that there's somebody out there that's being paid a lot of money to make you believe a certain thing. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that they've got nefarious intent, but they want a job and they want to put food on the plates of their, their family as well. Uh, and so for me, we've always got to look through the, the lens of what, what are they trying to sell me? And sometimes that can be great and sometimes it's not so great. Um, but I think that that comes back to starting to look at the conditioning that we've received. Like I know, here's one of my little bugbears, is when people give children a lolly and they call it a treat. That for me is a little bugbear because that's at that moment in time is the beginning of conditioning for that child for things that are not good for them because our brain automatically recognizes that that sweet treat A is going to give us some dopamine, heat and, you know, adrenaline and all the other things, but it really also recognizes it as poison. And so there's this message that happens where, you know, the child is given the thing that they want because it stimulates the taste buds and it tantalizes and it does all those things, but their brain also still recognizes it as poison to them. Mm. And they're like, here, honey, I love you so much. I'm going to give you some poison. (laughs) It's like the poison apple in Snow White. You know, it's, And that's the real, for me, one of those big things of starting to come back and look at what is the subconscious patterning that we've been given over the years around food. And that can be generationally passed down. It could be culturally given to us. And it can also be the marketing, which is that big money maker, of course, to trick people into consuming food that's going to be poison for them. And then, of course, that creates a client for the medical system and the pharmaceutical companies. What? You mean that it would actually work in unison? Like these people are are working together to sort of, you know, I don't know, not nefariously, but just maybe a byproduct of of smart companies. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the smart corporations, you know, that just, I guess it's almost like, you know, if you're, if you don't want to get, I'm, I'm going to use this silly analogy, but it's still, I want to make sense to me. If you don't want to get in trouble looking at the opposite sex in your relationship and a guy sees a girl, pretty girl, and he puts his self where, in, in where she knows he's going to cross paths. That way he'll still be able to see. They do the same thing, huh? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. You know, the, the, uh, there was this one movie that I watched on Netflix and everybody did. It was the, uh, the magic pill. Remember that one? Yep. Yeah. And I, that just, for whatever reason, I, I got on a, a kick of like, I wrote this long, like, essay and posted it on Facebook about, oh my God, I can't believe I've been being fooled for years and the pyramid is actually upside down and, and all this other stuff. And I don't know why it was so, I don't know, man. I, I, it was, I guess that's, that's, that's almost the same. That's almost the same kind of um, feeling you get. Like when you, when I get, what do they call that? Red pilled. When yeah. you get, when you get red pilled and you're like, what, what do you mean? Yeah. That's how I felt when I found out like the whole center of the grocery store is bullshit. Right. Yeah. I was That's like, how I felt the moment when I was doing my bachelor of teaching and <laughs> our first lecture was on how school was designed to create a, a particular type of worker for the next generation. And I was like, Oh my God, I've been brainwashed. What? Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like, you don't know what to think. You know what I mean? It sucks to, to, to have to rethink everything. Absolutely. But it can also be an adventure. That's the way I like to think about it is that, you know, it can be challenging in the sense that your friends are doing things differently. uh, The people around you are doing things differently, but you get to have this little secret adventure of discovery and learning things and implementing them and trialing them and failing because that's a part of any adventure. You know, if it was all up, everyone would do it all of the time. But, you know, it's, there is no adventure if that, if we know exactly what's going to come next. So it's part of the adventure of discovery and self-discovery because for me, when I'm looking at health, I'm looking at there's this balance between here's the right things to do for your body and physiology from a food perspective, but then we also need to look at what are the emotions that are going on there and what is the subconscious patterning that's taking place that's leading you to consistently eat um, food that's not great for you. So I've got a perfect example of this. In 2017, I was like, right, this is the year for health for me. You know, I'm going to like lose all the weight. I'm going to do all the things. I'm going to be like my most vibrantly healthy. I even changed my password to say 2017 health. You know, I did all of the, like all of the things of calling it in. And I remember getting halfway through the year and then going, what the fridge has happened? Like, I've eaten more chocolate cake. I've been more attracted to Tim Tams. Like, what is going on? And it was in that questioning that I was actually able to discover that I'd had this subconscious patterning that meant health equal death. And I was like, what? How did my brain do that? Mm. But it was in 2013 when I nearly passed away from the birth of my last baby. So baby number seven, um, I had a placental placenta um abruption as well as placenta procretus. My placenta had eaten through my uterus into my bladder and into my major blood supply. So I lost all of my own blood. There was one moment in time when none of the blood in my body was actually mine. It was all donors. And there was a lot of stuff that needed to happen for me to stay alive in that moment. 
But also directly before that, I had been the healthiest I'd been in my life. Like we'd not eaten takeaway we, for like a year and a half. We'd not like had anything that wasn't like legit healthy for a really long time. And I was at my most healthiest. And then this happens. And my brain just went huh, huh, together and smashed them together and went health means death. And I was like, holy heck, now I get why I'm fighting with my brain and my body in this moment and when i was able to change that i was able to change my subconscious desires for different foods so wow. it all plays in yeah well first of all sorry to hear that you had to go through that that must have been tough um you know any any time you end up in some situation where you have to be hospitalized and and you know you don't know what's the outcome is going to be you know that's got to be the scariest uh, one of the most scarier experiences you can have in your life absolutely um i like i have a spiritual belief as well that i'm connected with, with the creator um and i'd already been preparing my husband because i had a really strong sense that i was going to die in that experience so I just like prepared myself that that this was going to be the end. I made sure my husband knew absolutely everything because I'm like, I've been to those funerals. I've been to the ones where, you know, the partner says, I don't know what they wanted. And I'm like, I'm not leaving here without you knowing exactly what I want. This is how I want my kids raised. This is what I want for school. Like he, he knew everything. And he's like, stop talking about it. And I'm like, I can't not talk about it. Otherwise I've left unresolved stuff and I need to resolve all of this stuff yeah. uh, and you know within that event I, I I did pass away and they did of course bring me back and all of all of that but it's one of those experiences as well which it was hugely traumatic for me at the time but also another great instigator for am I living the life that I want to lead am I creating the life that I want to have versus am I just responding to what's going on around me so what was your consensus well, I, at that time, I know that I was not living my life 100%. Like I was letting the BS stories of other people's thoughts and opinions, you know, stop me from being who I was actually meant to be and I was kind of hiding. And so it was like, you know, this year of trauma that then turned into the floodgates of hear me roar because I'm not shutting up now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I'm glad you're still with us. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Uh, let's, let's, uh, before we get into, um, more of the, uh, what's going on in your country and, and how you feel about that, let's, uh, talk a little bit about what you're doing, um, to stay healthy down in your part of the, in part of the world, in the Southern hemisphere, um, during these, uh, trying times, right? Um, yeah. Awesome. So during during the last 18 months, it's probably 20 months now, it feels like it's going on forever and ever. <laughs> yeah. It's like a, an ongoing thing. Um, for, for me, one of the big messages has been this is there's no time like right now to be radically responsible for your own health, to actually decide to be responsible for your own health because your government is not going to do it. They're, we know from all of the messaging that's taken place all over the world that there is really maybe Japan a little bit, but <laughs> most other countries have not given their people information like, hey, eat lots of vegetables, stay healthy, go out in the sun and exercise, get your vitamin D. Uh, you know, they're not giving you the information that is going to actually help you stay healthy. They're just not. It's not what they're focused on. They're focused on, you know, a vaccine drive. That's pretty much their number one focus. Uh, you have to be responsible for 
creating the great health outcomes. And it's the same with, with, you know, if you catch something like COVID and you go into a hospital or you even get diagnosed with it. Here in Australia, the way that that functions is you might go get tested, you might then get a diagnosis, and then they say to you, uh, take some Panadol and come into the hospital if you turn blue. Like there's no care in between mm-hmm. like yeah. your your test positive test result and landing in hospital which seems for me very much neglect but that's just an example of they're not taking responsibility for your health because it's your health you need to take responsibility for that and i think the more we can come at it from that point of view the better off we'll be because the the hospital system is focused on a sickness industry it's focused mm-hmm. on on dealing with sickness sick and- care yeah, exactly. Sick care. And we have that option to go with health care, which would be, you know, to make sure that you're getting the things that you need. So, you know, going and getting your vitamin D checked to make sure that your vitamin D levels are great. And if they're not doing something about it, whether it be going outside a little bit more and, you know, letting your skin get into the into the sun rays, whether it be taking a supplement to help support you, whether it be actually bringing in nutri- nutritional foods like cod liver oil, um, as as a beautiful vitamin D sort of source as well. <clears throat> and the same with looking at your other things. You know, when we're looking at COVID, we can see that the risk factors for those who have major negative outcomes are people who have comorbidities. So this is that time to look after those comorbidities and actually start to deal with them, which for me is a plus as well because if you start to look at any of your health issues and you start to realize that maybe there is another way to look at them versus your body is broken and it needs medication to keep it running versus maybe my body is trying to communicate something to me and tell me that something is out of balance and that I need support. When we look at it from that point of view, we can go, it's not broken. It's doing exactly what it, what it's meant to do. And it's trying to do the best that it can with the available resources. So if we want it to do something different, we need to give it different available resources. And finding out that you actually have some power in that can be absolutely empowering. And that's what my message would be to anyone is to actually utilize that time and that message to go, hey, maybe I don't need to live with my chronic fatigue. Maybe I don't need to live with obesity. Maybe I don't need to live with diabetes. Maybe I don't need to live with that thyroid condition that I've been diagnosed. Or maybe I could manage them better. Maybe I could manage them more instinctly and start to listen to what is my body trying to communicate? Because there is always the emotional, physical and spiritual element to any health condition. You know, thyroid, for example, for me, when I think about it, the thyroid is just here wraps around your throat uh, and you know if you think about that you know when it's when it's you know hyperthyroid it's swollen so it's it's shutting down your vocal cords so when I'm looking at somebody with thyroid disease I'm looking at what are the physical things that are taking place but also what are the emotional things like where in your life have you learned that it's not okay for you to have a voice mm-hmm. and when we give you back that voice sometimes we we transfer the energy and we create space and we create healing and there's so much of our health that is like that when we start to ask the question of why is this happening versus assuming it's just because your body is broken. Your body's not broken. It's doing the best that it can with the available resources that has been given. So let's give it better resources. And the same with when it comes to this particular period of time in our lives. Can we give it better resources so it can give us better outcomes if and when we should come in contact with the virus? Yeah, I, I 
I agree. If it's it was a fly, now a mosquito, it's like, geez. <laughs> if it can, it will, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so here's here's a question I have. What what are so what some of the things that, that people are talking about are having um uh, you hear the words early treatment protocols, right? That's yeah. what the doctors are saying, and and but people like us we should have a protocol for our own personal protocol. Like what are we going to do when, you know, we start to feel that, that, you know, you know, that you get that feeling where, you know, that there's something going on back there. It's like, Oh man, I'm I'm starting to get sick. And that's the, the viral load replicating back there. Right. Yeah. And some of the, the natural things that, that you can do um, stuff that you have around the house to, to help with that. I heard one of them is iodine, uh, like an iodine mix, or is it iodine straight that you can drop into the back of your nose? Kind of a yeah. So I like to err on the sa- on the side of safety. So mm-hmm. you know you can poison yourself with iodine. So I'm like yeah. mm, maybe let's go with something that you don't need to stress about so much. Um, and even just using a saline solution, which is just salty water back mm-hmm. there can actually help using salty water using colloidal silver is another really safe one that you're not likely to overdose on whereas you could potentially overdose on iodine if you did it too often Mm -hmm. Um, so you've got to make sure that you've got it exactly right and you're following great great instructions but i always think when i'm hearing about the early treatment protocols i'm like well there should be always a step before that before Mm -hmm. that which is take care of your health now and you know, should you get the virus, there are plenty of things that you can actually be doing. And we know, for example, that uh, probiotics are really beautiful, actually helping to prevent the cytokine storm, which is where interleukin-6 rises. uh, And we can bring that down with the use of probiotics. And your kitchen is the most powerful space that you actually have when it comes to helping with your health. And one really simple product that most people could actually start to make in their own home that would be really beneficial would be something like milk kefir. Or if you are from a different country, you might say milk kefir or milk kefir if you are Russian. Uh, And so milk kefir is a really powerful probiotic. It's one of the most powerful probiotics that we actually have on the face of the earth. So powerful so that we can't actually keep alive in a powdered version as many probiotics as you can find in that product. So for an example, a really good probiotic that you could buy off the shelf would have maybe at max around 20 probiotic strands in it. Mm. Milk kefir can have anywhere between 80 to 120 in a good homemade milk kefir. And the cost of that product is as much as it costs you to buy milk. So if it costs you $2 to buy milk, that's how much it's going to cost you to make, say, a litre of that probiotic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's incredibly affordable for most people. Yeah. And all you have to do is actually buy some milk kefir grains, put them in a jar, pour milk over the top of it, let it sit for 24 hours, strain out your grains, put them in another jar, put milk over them, and you've got this beautiful product that is a powerhouse for healing. Not only does it actually... Uh, increase your probiotics and your microbiome the other thing is you can if you gargle it so if you take a little bit of it tilt your head back and gargle it you're getting it into the ear nose and throat canal so you're going to be putting in powerful probiotics into that space that's under attack Mm 
you're also that can be amazing for ear infections by the way as well so if you've got a cold or a flu doing that ear infections it's great for that too but it's improving the microbiome of your gut uh, which is where our immune system lies 80 percent of our immune system is sitting in our gut and if we don't have a good microbiome we don't have great defenders our army is under undernourished and so that's one of those really simple things that most people can handle. There'll be some people that can't because they have histamine issues or they may have some significant dairy issues. But that's one of those really cheap, affordable things that everyone can do. It'll help with high blood pressure, cholesterol, heart disease, um, pretty much anything that has some type of um, immune response to it's going to be really helpful for. You can use it on wounds. It helps them heal faster. Really? Yeah. Wow. Interesting. All right, what are some herbs or some, because uh, you're an herbalist as well, yeah. right? Well, and, and so- that's the other interesting thing for me, like listening to in, in some of the rooms that I'm, we're listening to where they're talking about early treatment is that they're talking about ivermectin and HQ, HCQ and all of this other stuff. None of that has been available to me ever. So yeah. I, I've, I've never used those things, but my brain has always gone, okay, so if this is what they're using on a medical level to get some of these great outcomes, what what is the herbs that would be beautiful for that? And of course, sweet wormwood is you know one of those top top herbs that does that job of antiparasitic behaviour. Uh, Portiaco is another really beautiful herb. Cinnamon, which most people will have in their cupboard somewhere, some sometime. Yeah, <laughs> uh, oregano or oregano, oregano. That's oh, you said it right, oregano. <laughs> I, I say oregano, but other people go, oh, what are you saying? So, yeah, that is another really beautiful antiparasitic herb. So we've got loads of things that we can be using to actually support that. So I use, you know, sweet wormwood, poldiaco, aniseed, cinnamon, mugwort, um, thuja. Mugwort. Uh, yeah, I know it sounds like I've got a big cauldron mix of stuff, but then I'm going to be putting in beautiful things like elderflower. Elderflower is really beautiful at actually lifting the immune system, but also preventing some of the uh, damage that can happen with the spike protein going to, say, our brain or into different parts of our body. It can help prevent that. And so for me, I've looked at, at the protocols that are out there and I've gone, hang on, let me tweak this because that can be a herb and or that could be a food. And I don't know about you, Sean, but I am so crap at taking supplements. So... I need to eat my medicine as much as I possibly can because I'm crap at taking it as a supplement. Yeah, I, I started taking supplements at the beginning. of Well, not the very beginning, but probably about three months into it. I was like, because I was talking to a bunch of people and starting to listen to more of the things that were coming out. I've already been in on the alternative media tip anyways <clears throat> from before that. But I really got into it. And so I was like, all right. So I started taking the vitamin D, the vitamin C, the... Uh, what else has I taken? Uh, and a multivitamin. So I did that from the beginning. And then probably 20, when the variant came out, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to up it to quercetin and, and zinc now. And then so I added that to it as well. So I'm taking all of those. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I don't know, but I've, I've never went and had my, my levels tested or anything like that from the, I just listened to somebody. So I think, I, I think it's like 8,000 IUs of, uh, vitamin d every day i always think it's it's important to kind of check if you can get yeah. get that checked just to make sure that you're taking what you should be taking because uh, there are always 
negative effects if you overtake a supplement. I think it's different with food. Like that's where I love food medicine versus supplemental medicine because supplements will have fillers in them and they will have um, byproducts and they also are designed to kind of force their way into your cells a little bit, whereas food, your body will either take it or it will leave it. Mm, Uh, As long as your digestive system is working properly, it's going to either take it or leave it. which is where food, food supplementation is the way that I like to go. So cod liver oil would be, you know, the supplement mm-hmm. to that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And by in, we're not giving any medical advice here either. So it, this is just a conversation about different remedies that, that Christina found that but works you, for her. And You also mentioned quercetin. So quercetin is naturally found in ginkgo and elderflowers as well. Um, so, again, you could make yourself some beautiful elderflower syrup or cordial and you could be drinking that and you're getting some natural quercetin. You could be eating blueberries, your raspberries. Um, anything that's got a bit of colour in it is has got a natural source of quercetin in it. I heard it, I heard onions is a good source of quercetin too. Yeah, yeah. The, the, and that's the thing is that there's loads of different things that you could be including in your food. And I kind of think, you know, if we all just focused on putting in all of the nutritional food that we need to have, there's actually just less room for junk. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree. And most of your, your medicines that you're getting from the doctor anyway start out as, as a food or a, a <laughs> herb or, you know, a plant. Like aspirin. Know. Aspirin is derived from white willow. So white willow was the natural pain reliever that we used before we had aspirin. Uh, and, you know, they've taken taken elements of the white willow, they've turned it into aspirin, and now they sell it to you. But you could also maybe go harvest some white willow. Really? Yeah, and we yeah. just chew on it? Yeah, you can chew on it. You can make a tea out of it. Um, yeah, there, there's lots of different ways you could do it. You could turn it into a tincture, um, et cetera. It's like the coca leaves. They use those uh, to, they chew on them. They, they have some sort of benefit from them, like straight from the plant. Yeah. You know, before they turn it into the paste and all the other stuff that makes it into the illegal drug. But I mean, they run around chewing on those things all day long. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I think that's awesome, man. And I, I need to start doing that more myself, honestly, uh, getting back into it because I'm, I'm at my, my personal, like i don't know i have a personal uh like weight limit that that i will allow myself to get to right and when i get past that point or to up to that point i've I've passed the up to that point let's just say that (laughs) (laughs) and i've been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off and another cheeseburger another thing i'll do it tomorrow you know we'll start tomorrow always tomorrow tomorrow is always a greater day to start than today um (laughs) You know, these are these are the arguments that I have with myself in my head. I'm just like, oh. So then the question for me, like when I come from the coaching perspective that I add into there, is like, why is Sean allowed to be healthy tomorrow and not today? Because Sean's lazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's probably what that's what you're going to get a lot of that. You know, the, those answers. Um, <laughs> uh, so let's uh, let's shift into. Uh, the state of your country. Um, (laughs) I mean, I was, I love Kiwi and Australian accents. I do. I like listening to you guys talk. I'll go just into rooms uh, just to listen to you guys talk because I just, your, your accents are appealing to my ear. And 
I was so saddened when I like started paying attention to like really what's going on down there. Mm-hmm. And then nobody really knows about it. No one's paying attention to it or they're not being shown it in media. Um, what do you like? You're there. What What are you experiencing? Well, actually it's, it's been a really interesting sort of 18, 20 months because we've seen our country go through this whole experience. And I've seen things that I never thought I would actually see here happen in our country, like seeing our premier and the chief health officer in Melbourne, for example, break human rights charters. But it's all okay. There's like no, no, so it's okay for them to do that. It's okay for them to leave, you know, a mother who's just had a premature baby who's ducked home to get some clothes to go back to the hospital to be able to feed and nourish her baby, be locked up in a tower for, you know, 7 to 14 days away from her baby, not knowing if her baby's going to live or die because, you know, there, there's a dangerous virus. And, you know, we're seeing human rights have actually been, run over in so many different ways throughout our whole country. And while I live in a state that hasn't necessarily had a lot of um, lockdown, we had our, 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 you know, beginning lockdown that was meant to last for two weeks, <laughs> two weeks to flatten the curve, uh, which, you know, I always thought would be a lot longer than that because, you know, it's they're approaching it from a completely wrong angle. They're po- po- approaching it from the angle of trying to stamp out something instead of just build our defences against something. Uh, and so we had a, had a short lockdown and then, of course, we've, we've got different things that are coming in now where we've got QR code tracking and, um, you know, you have to... Now we're seeing mandates for vaccinations of healthcare workers. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on one second. You just you just sort of breeze by that. We've got QR <laughs> code tracking. Yeah, so, I don't have it. I don't use it. <laughs> but I mean, what is that QR code? I mean, that sounds like something out of a movie. Well, it does absolutely sound like something that's out of a movie. But essentially, there's meant to be an app that you download on your phone that whenever you enter any premises, you're meant to take a photo of that. I've never used it, so I don't know the ins and outs of how it works on a phone. Um, But you're meant to take a photo of it, and then it gives you a tick to say, yes, you're logged into this place so that uh, they can track if the virus has entered into that zone and you've been in there around the same time that they can can put you into lockdown. Um, so <clears throat> I, I, in my in my state, I'm like, how on earth did they get this past everybody? Because we've not had COVID for like over a year. Like we maybe had a little blip here and there, but like we really have not had any, any positive COVID testing uh, here in my state for well over a year. But our people here have had no qualms signing up for this thing and even dobbing in a neighbour if they don't do it. Uh, and you know, some some places will have Turn, an actual... turning in their neighbors. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do they, are do they, are they incentivized to do that? Not yet, but I'm. I would not be surprised if shortly in the future that's something that we see coming down the pipeline. But currently, uh, you know, the incentive is you're doing the right thing by making sure everybody complies. That's the incentive by being a good little girl and boy. Uh, and so I'm surprised that that's been able to fly in my state because we haven't had the you know there's this big you know virus that's putting everybody into the hospital we haven't had that present in our state but still so many people have gone along with it and not even kicked up a stink not even said you know why are we doing this but you know they've just accepted that as our new normal Uh, and that's how we get on with things is by 
by QR coding into places, being allowed to, to track, be tracked. And one of the problems with this, and I remember early on, because as soon as it happened, I'm like, great, lots of shops I'm not shopping at. If you're a shop that's not going to enforce this, send me a private message so I will know to spend money there. Uh, and one of my friends back-channeled me and said, you know, why do you have a problem with this, Christina? I don't want to start a fight on your Facebook page because there's, you know, mm-hmm. lots of like-minded people on my Facebook page, so there would probably be a fight. Yeah. Uh, and so she messaged me and she said, you know, why? And I said, well, I just want you to think about it from this perspective. We know that this doesn't just track this. It's not just being used for what they're saying it's being used for. Mm-hmm. We're seeing people who have outstanding war- warrants being tracked down by the police because they can check where they've been. And so they just wait for them to go to their regular place and they turn up and arrest them. And her response was, oh, I just think I would be an honest person and I would turn myself in. I'm like, oh, my God, you just missed the whole point of that discussion, which was they tell you it's only for tracking if you've been in contact with somebody with the virus, but it's being used for completely different things. And we've also seen messages of people who have gone into a, a shop, they've purchased something, they do pay wave on their phone, and then they get a little message from their bank that says, we noticed you didn't check in at that supermarket that you just bought that thing for. So the app that's on your phone is interacting with other apps on your phone. But again, you're told that it is only for this one purpose, which is to track if you've been in contact with somebody who's got a virus. So if they're using it for that and we're seeing it interact with other apps, what else is it being used for? What else is it doing? And nobody's asking those questions because this is just the new normal. This is how we do life now. Yeah, that's that's really, really, really strange. Um, I heard that in some parts, uh, I don't know if it was Victoria or if it was Melbourne. I think <laughs> Melbourne at one point was the most locked down city in the world, oh, right? Yeah, it still is the most is locked it? down city in the world. And there, I have patients from there who have been absolutely traumatized. They've got PTSD from this stuff. I've had people that did not want to get the vaccination. They they feel that it was really wrong for them. You know, we've worked t- together for 12 months to get their health on track, to get them healthy and well, and they didn't want to put that into their body, especially because it's still an experiment. It's in the experimental stages. It's not finished that. We've got no long-term safety studies, all of that information. They didn't feel that it was right for them to get it, but they've been so traumatised by the lockdowns that they were at that place of uh, of thinking that they're, they're suicidal if they stay in lockdown anymore. And, of course, the premiers have done this thing, which is kind of like your governors, um, done this thing where, you know, if, you've, if you're vaccinated, you get to have the freedoms, but if you're not vaccinated, you get to stay in lockdown. And for her, she couldn't comprehend staying in lockdown, so she's gone and gotten the vaccination. Uh, and, you know, she's just one of many, many people. And, you know, of course, she, she's had an event that uh, landed her in hospital because of that. Um, and, you know, again, it's one of many, many stories that I hear all of the time of, mm-hmm. of what's taking place. And that's not freedom. That's not freedom of choice. That's not a medical freedom. No one should make a decision for their health based on being segregated by the community. No, I, I agree. And I think that the way that they're wielding this in, in all 
of the countries that are participating in this because not all of them are participating in it. Just some of the main the main players are participating in this this thing. I mean, uh, who knows what the end game of it is uh, or what it's even about? I mean, we can speculate all day. Nobody really knows. <laughs> Only the people that know are the people that are 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 pushing it, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, all we can do is just sort of look at, you know, like, okay, well, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? And, you know, the best way that we can do that, um, which I don't know if they've, and we say they, the constructors of whatever this is, um, I don't even know. It's just, I have a hard time. Like when I go, when I get up and I go to work, everything feels so normal. Mm-hmm. But when I'm on Clubhouse, it's like, well, everything isn't normal. And like, I'm able to, like I'm living and able to see this underlay or overlay, depending on whatever you want to, however you want to look at it of two different realities. And it's like, yeah, it's so strange. And it's like, no wonder like things have gotten to where they are and how they've gotten there because you just, there's this under thing that nobody even can see. Well, some of us can see it. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the majority that, that it takes to jump up and down and say, Hey, what's going on? You know, if it was, you know, puppies being strung up, well, we don't want to get into that guy, but you know what I mean? If it was something, you know, like, I don't know, having to do with animals or, or, or whatever, people would be outraged. Yeah. But, you know, it's, oh, those people, oh, you know, the, we don't have anything to do, I've, whatever. You know what I mean? People are just too damn busy to, to be bothered. Absolutely. But also I think that they've been, like here in my country at least, I think they've been so traumatized by what's taking place that, now the flies at my place. Um, <laughs> you passed it through. <laughs> but that, they've been that, so that's trauma- a tricky fly. I know, right? <laughs> the escapee. Um, but they've been so traumatized by it all that they um, they just aren't in the space to think right. And they've been conditioned. Like that's a big part of the whole lockdown, locking people down for so long and, you know, sit down and watch Netflix or the TV or whatever and just have, you know, media after media after media, like fear-mongering you and telling you all of these things that they can look at the data and they can't see what the data is even saying anymore, that they, they've lost that rational place in their minds of thinking about some of these things. Like, you know, 2020, Australia had less deaths than it's had in the previous 10 years in 2020. And people can't see that fact. They can't look at those numbers and go, huh, hang on. Maybe I shouldn't be as scared as I am, or maybe I don't need to be as scared as I am, or maybe there's some proactive things that I could be doing. Because other than the vaccination, there is no other thing that the government has really given you as a proactive thing, like wash your hands, wear a mask, um, social distance. That's it. There's no, hey, here, go see a physio or go see, you know, a, a dietitian or, you know, somebody who can help you get your diet right and a personal trainer that can help you get your physical body right. And, you know, we've shut down gyms and we've made people less healthy than they were by sticking in front of a TV with a bag of chips. Like, it just doesn't make sense. No, it does not. And everything, like, even from the beginning of this thing, everything that they asked us to do was contrary to healthy, to what what would make you healthy. Yeah. You know, get 
and you just said it, you know, you, when you lock people away, I mean, there's a reason, I mean, I've, I've been to prison, I've been to solitary confinement. Um, there's a reason why they use that as a punishment, right? We're not meant to, to be, to be, I don't know, to be, to be, to live like that. We're just not meant to. Um, we thrive when we're around people, you know, when we're able to communicate, we're able to connect, we're able to, you know, it may not always be great connections, but I mean, at least there's the option to be able to do that, right? That's how we evolved, I believe, um, you know, in hunter-gatherer societies uh, or communities, whatever whatever you call them. Uh, and Australia, that's where everybody came from, right? That, that's, where, that's where the first first people came from, isn't it? I know we're, we're like the colonials. <laughs> they, I, mean, I, I live in I live in the prisoner state. Like you know, this is where they shipped the the worst of the worst prisoners. <laughs> really? They're like, how have you guys let this happen again? <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's it is it really is a shame. Um, you know, and I think more people, and that's why I have having you on and other folks uh, that want to come on and and tell us about what's happening over there. You know, like I said, most people don't know. And and if they do, they, I don't think they get the, the magnitude of it. Right. Like there's been places, I think, uh, I don't know if it was Mel Melbourne or, or not, which place it was, maybe it was Victoria where they opened fire with, with, uh, rubber bullets. One of my dear friends was hit with one of those rubber bullets. Uh, and you know, he's had, had, long-term health condition stuff that have that have come from that like he's still dealing with some of the ramifications of being hit with one of those rubber bullets that was shot very close like you know they're meant to be shot from far away as a deterrent uh that particular individual was not aggressive was not you know going to attack police in in fact he was actually turning towards people saying you know be safe stay back and he was saying to them that there are women and children here and um you know then he gets shot with the bullet like i i've got other friends who have been at those protests that have you know been shot in the back with those bullets like mm-hmm. what danger are they posing if you're shooting them in the back like yeah yeah they're, well, they're clearly moving away from you at that point in time and and people should have a right to protest right i mean you should have a right to peacefully gather and you know display your you know uh whatever your 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 unhappiness with whatever the situation is right that's what our our rights should be and it looks like it feels like and it, it hasn't really gone that way here so much right and i don't i don't know why I mean, we could say the reason why, but I mean, I mean, I don't really think that's the reason why mm-hmm. it's interesting why they're choosing your country and the other one next to it, um, New Zealand to, to like roll this out. Yeah. New Zealand have, have even worse, you know, sort of, sort of things there. Like, you know, I have some friends living in New Zealand. They couldn't come on here and actually talk about that because they could end up in prison or a mental institution because, you know, that's part of what, what Jacinta has made as, as part of their, their laws and people have accepted that, unfortunately. Um, I'm sure Australia is going to go down that way as well. You know, we've got Dan Andrews in Melbourne who's trying to get through a... Um, 
forever emergency state of state of play type of thing um, there. And if he gets that through, then, of course, I think the other premiers in our country are going to try and get that through as well. Um, it's the boy who wished for more wishes at the end of his wishing cycle. Like, he's just making more wishes. And 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 I have an actual link to that. So a link to the petition, um, and that that goes into when is that? Is that on Thursday? Uh, I think we've got less than I can't remember off the top of my head, but I'm feeling like it's like seven days away now before that decision starts to get made. Um, so it's gone through our lower house and it's been passed there. Now it would go through our upper house if it gets passed there. We've got one more space, which is in the Governor General's hands, to try and squash this. But it essentially means that he is all powerful and can decide, you know, when we're in in an emergency state and, um, you know, what we're going to do in those emergency states. Like he can keep the lockdowns happening forever and ever and ever if he wants to um, with those emergency powers. And he is the only one accountable to him. Like he has a, a group of people that he has selected like how it works will be there will be a group of people advising him that he has selected and then at the end of the day he can ignore them completely and still decide to do what he wants to do like yeah yeah i mean it it could be uh, anything i mean it can be a pandemic of climate change it could be a pandemic of whatever they i mean you just put pandemic in front of it and then he can do whatever he wants with it yeah And I think the other aspect that most Australians aren't actually aware of in this act is that he can can use that in a discriminatory fashion. He can go all women, he can go all men, he can go anyone who's gay, anyone who's transgender, anyone who's this, anyone who's black, anybody who's this ethnicity. Like he can use it in a very, very discriminatory way to suppress human rights. And I don't think many of the people who are going oh it'd be fine actually understand the implications that could this could be potentially used for and even if they feel like yes they they feel safe and happy that dan has those powers what about the next guy like what about the next person that's there we always when we are supporting acts or not supporting acts we have to think about how could this be used in the future and who could be using this in the future and we have to have safety measures within that. And this takes away those safety measures because currently our safety measure is that you can only extend the lockdown or you can only extend the emergency orders for 21 months. Uh, and that comes to the end of December. And so there's this, this safety thing that's already there, which is why his push is to get it in as soon as possible so that it's in place before the end of those Okay. Okay. So in the description here, if you're watching uh, on Facebook or, or wherever, the description has a direct link to sign a petition to get this guy, I guess, out of of that or against it. I'm not sure, but there was like 70 or 80,000 uh, signatures on it when I looked at it or when I signed it. Yeah, awesome. We, we need as many people to sign it. Whether it has any effect or not, I think, you know, many of us are probably um, petition fatigued in the sense of, you know, there's been so many petitions going around and we're kind of fatigued with signing things. Whether it, it stops the bill going forward or not, it at least creates evidence that we, the Australian people and we, the community, don't want this, that this is being, this is happening against our will. So, if for nothing else, it's creating that evidence so that at some point, hopefully someone could take it to court and get it reversed and, and so on. Um, so definitely as many signatures as possible. 
Yeah, for sure. And it looks like Ash is down there below, but he's not, he's not, doesn't have his, uh, your devices aren't connected. So you're going to have to allow your camera, because I don't know if he wants to be on camera or not. I gave people the option to not if they didn't want to be. Um, Oh, there he goes. He just disappeared again. So hopefully he he gets uh gets back in here cuz he's from Melbourne, Melbourne, Melbourne. 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 <laughs> you got to get your Australian on and say Melbourne. Australian on. Get Melbourne. <laughs> the the uh New, the New Zealanders, their uh their their accents are pretty cool too, especially did you hear the remember Medusa, right? You know. Yeah. The 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 dick ad. Yes, <laughs> the New Zealand dick ad. Yeah, it's a deck, but you know, obviously you can tell. You know, they've got the, she's got this thick one, and it's uh... yeah. just ask her to say six sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> and if you're on YouTube, look it up. The New Zealand deck ad, <laughs> and it, it's really funny. <laughs> So I'm going to be, I'm waiting for, for Ash to come in here and, uh, you know, I really enjoyed having you on the show and, uh, and everything there. Um, that was, uh, some interesting information and, you know, if anybody out there, if you're interested, just go on to like duck, duck, go and type in Australia, go into Odyssey, the Melbourne experiment, type in the Mel Melbourne, Melbourne experience experiment the melbourne experiment. experiment okay and what does that what does that have on there is that I'll, i'm going to type that in here right now uh the so there are actually universities currently studying uh what's happening in melbourne and what's happening with the people and um you know all of the different aspects of it like the the thought process is of course that that might then be rolled out to other states and other countries um it may be totally totally not nefarious in any way shape or form um it's a little bit hard to feel like it is that in this time of what we are seeing take place um, with all the propaganda and all of the other stuff that, that has taken place and the silencing and the censoring of, you know, medical professionals. So that's it right there. For those of you who are interested in checking that out, uh, it is Monash university. And we would call it Monash. <laughs> Mo- Monash. Yeah, it's got a bunch of different stuff on there. And then also check out Odyssey or Rumble. Um, there's a lot of different people that are covering stuff on there as well. So uh, you just got to look for the information. It's not going to be it's not going to be shown to you if you're watching CNN or Fox News or any of those those mainstream or what would they call them um, corporate oh, corporate media or yeah. establishment media. Yeah. All well, right. Otherwise, the Trusted News Alliance, which you right. could also type into DuckDuckGo and see what you find. Yeah, there you go. There's one, too. I'm going to go ahead and add Ash to the stream here real quick. You guys can make uh, make an acquaintance. What's up, brother? How are you? Not too bad. Apologies. I'm just trying to work out how to get my phone going. Uh, DuckDuckGo wouldn't let me have my audio and, uh, and camera, but we're all good now. All right. All right. Hey, Ash. 
Hi, how you going? Good, thank you. So, are you familiar with Christina? Um, I, I maybe. Um, I literally only got really involved in the last week, to be completely honest. So, I may know some of your work, but yeah. Yeah, she's in she's in the clubhouse rooms. You'll you'll probably a lot of the uh, she's from Tasmania, so okay. And she's a naturopath. I've lost I have, sound with with Sean, so I have no idea what he's saying. You lost sound with me. Oh no! How come? Let's take her out. Add her back in. Can you hear me now? No. No. It might be a good time for me to say goodbye to you uh, and <laughs> leave you with your conversation with Ash. Much love to you. Um, from a Tasmanian to a Melbourne, thinking for you. Much love to you. Uh, keep up Thank the good fight. <laughs> See ya. We'll try. All right, thanks, Christina. I appreciate it. All right, brother. So you and I don't know each other. Um we just I was in a, a room this morning with a, a clubhouse and I was like, all right, well, you know, one of the things that I can do as a content creator and a podcaster is put out content. And part of putting out content is telling other people's stories. And what's really influential is hearing from the uh, people that are actually there doing, you know, or have gone through something, you know, to experience give their experience their strength their hope all that stuff right and yeah. so that's exactly what i'm doing here right now and it's good to meet you good to have you on the show man thank you for having us yeah no no um, no worries i guess would you like me to start maybe a little bit of a backstory um, sure sure tell me where where you're from where you how you grew up um like what your country was like previously if you want to kind of paint that picture Yep. Um, so I'm an electrician by trade. Um, so I'm you know, just an everyday uh, Australian I'm in Melbourne, Australia. I uh, grew up here my entire life. Um, I, I've been one of the lucky ones. I've had lots of opportunities. Uh, I've been able to travel. Um, I was able to go to university. I didn't complete the degree, but um, I've, I've had opportunity and, and I'm very blessed and thankful for that. Um, and it's it's given me a good, I think it's given me a good perspective and a good grounding. Um, obviously, there's there's lots of other things that I still need to uh, to open my eyes to, and um, and we're on that journey. Um, but basically, how it's how it's sort of unfolded for me. So, I as I've been off travelling around, done stuff, um, and came back to Melbourne, and I'm involved in. Um, a small business with my dad. So he's also an electrical contractor. Um, we work together. Um, it gives us a bit of uh, backup as well as flexibility depending on what, what jobs we have. Mm-hmm. Now, with these pandemics, uh, with lockdowns in particular, sorry, we came under the class of authorised workers. So the entire time we were out there on the front line, um, obviously not really the front line compared to, say, nurses and doctors and all that, but uh, that was that's the narrative. That's what we were told. You know, we're important. We need to be doing a really good job. We've got to do our part. And I guess someone like myself, even my family and, and most of my friends, I wouldn't say political or, or really just not that interested. Um, again, going back to how lucky and privileged we are here in Australia, 
we've never, I think Eureka Stockade was sort of the last fight. We've never, we've never had to fight for our freedom, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's really easy to sit back and go, oh, look, it'll, it'll never happen to us. We're this, you know, this safe little protected country away from no one down the bottom of the world. Um, and yet the whole time that this thing is going on, there's, there's these questions coming up in the back of our minds. Now, I, I had plenty of conversations with Dad about this and, you know, we're just, this is ridiculous. How can this, any of this stuff make sense? But on you go, you, you do your part. You know, we were slowly losing hours. Um, but, like, we were still surviving, right? There's people that have lost everything by this stage. Yeah. And on and on it goes. And then 18 months in, which is, I don't know, maybe six, seven weeks ago now, um, Daniel Andrews came out and said that all the trades, all the tradies in Melbourne are the ones that are causing all the transfers. They're the ones that are causing all these cases and we're going to shut down all the trades because you guys aren't towing the line. line. You're not you're not doing all your check-ins, you're not doing your safety, you know, whatever it is, PCRs. Now, this just basically came back to one particular site in Box Hill where they had a whole lot of cases. What are, what are check-ins? Uh, so it's like a QR. Yeah, so a QR code. So basically now, if you want to go to the supermarket, if you want to go anywhere, there's a QR code at the door. You flash your phone up, you click check in, and then there's a record, yes, I've been to this place, so that in the event of um, a break breakout and there's close contacts everywhere, okay. the government now has your details to be able to trace you and go, all right, Ash, you've been to the supermarket. At this time, you're in a tier one. We need you to isolate for 14 days. Not go get a test to see if you've actually got anything, just go and isolate, see you later. And now, are they are they being used to have you check in at home if you're quarantined? Um I've heard rumors believe, of I've heard rumors of that to where you have to check in at nine o'clock or you get a text and you have to to respond within five minutes. If you don't, then they'll send somebody to your, your door or something. I believe that to be true. Um, I haven't been in that particular position. Um, I know there has been plenty of, uh, especially early days, where police were going around and checking on people to make sure they were there. And when people weren't there, they would get huge fines. Um, and, yeah, on and on it went. Um, it's it's really difficult because lots of people are sort of towing the line and, and there's people, there was neighbours dobbing in neighbours. Um, it, it's crazy, right? Like Australians don't dobby in their neighbours. That's not what we do. But yeah, we've... Yeah. Uh, turned the uh the other side so i I didn't mean to interrupt your your story you were you were were going to um so the trades right they they said that the trades are no longer can work they shut down you guys and this is where i heard about it and where the big pushback started right Mm -hmm. and explain a little bit about that because i'm i'm a i'm a tradesman myself i'm a, a mechanical insulator by trade oh perfect well, so basically what happened was uh, all the union sites, uh, I'm not union, we're, we're small private business. Um, all the union sites basically came out and said, we can't, we want to be able to have our smoko. It's part of our occupational health and safety. We need to be able to have our lunch in a safe, clean environment. And if COVID such a danger, be protected and, and, you know, out in the fresh air, that's where it's safest. So what they did, they took all their lunchroom chairs and tables and they went and sat out in the road and on the um, front of the trams or little trains and had their smoko and that was that was a protest um, as such. But not really. It was sort of like 
just let us have our food. We Everybody else is allowed to have their lunch. Why can't we? Yeah. And that's sort of where it started from. Um, then basically when Daniel Andrews came in and said, that's it, we're locking it down for two weeks, uh, that's when people went to the um, the union office because basically the union said originally we're going to stand up for our workers, we're not going to enforce mandates. Then they backflipped. Everyone got upset, um, went to the union office. Uh, now this is where it gets, we're not sure who was involved and which groups and what their intentions were. There was things thrown at windows. Um, there may have been people that had had a few drinks that afternoon and then this massive march went through the city over the Westgate. Um, police were involved. It was over the freeway. There was It was pretty chaotic. Um, now, the entire time this is going on, I'm at home because I'm not allowed to work. So I'm starting to watch these videos and going, like, this, what's going on here? Um, so that's fine, sort of. That all petered out and uh, the next day there was more protests and, again, I'm watching this thing. I'm, I'm watching these people walk down the streets. I'm seeing different groups with different agendas, right, or at least this is how the media is portraying them to, to us. You know, you see people at the front on some of these live streams maybe being uh, inflammatory but maybe just they're so fed up that they, they want their voice heard. Mm-hmm. So I'm watching this the entire time with, you know, both sides of the story going in the back of my head. And it was probably when I was watching a real ruction live feed and the stormtroopers, basically, as they're called. They're, they're, they've got this uh, this vehicle. It's like a armoured vehicle, and I think it's called re- it was called Rescue Vehicle or something ridiculous like that. Anyway, the people are walking down the street. They weren't even to the police yet, and they've just charged at them and started shooting them with rubber bullets. Like, it was crazy. Like, this is in the streets of Melbourne. Um, I'm sure most people have probably seen these videos. I mean, obviously, these are the attention-grabbing videos. So I've seen it, but I I can't say that anybody else has. I I know that I've seen it. It was like they started just, like, running towards the crowd, shooting at them, and it was, like, on a corner, right? And they were all on on a corner just trying to, like, get away from it. That's right. And so this this entire time, there's there's different live feeds at different parts of the protest, and they've been split up and set in different directions. So again, everyone's like, what the hell's going on here? It's madness. Um, and then I think that was the day that they got pushed towards the shrine. And again, listening to different perspectives and stories, there was a suggestion that maybe that they were they were herded there or directed to that location. Now, I don't know whether that's true or false. Um, it's irrelevant, right? They got there and that's where they they stood on the steps and they're like, what the shot? And then it's disrespectful, rah, rah, rah. Um, I think an ex-serviceman uh, came up, um, said the same thing, like, guys, you can't be here. This is disrespectful to those that have served. And I, I completely understand his point of view. Um I remember that there was a moment where the police like, guys, you can actually leave peacefully and safely. You need to go now out the back towards St Kilda Road. And some people went and other people stayed. Now, this probably went on for a couple of hours where there was sort of this this standoff and the police are closing in and and it was only ever going to end one way where the police had to do something, right? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately... They opened fire on unarmed Australian citizens at the Shrine of Remembrance 
and I'm sorry, but that is not acceptable under any circumstances. Like maybe in a terrorist attack, right? Like, mm-hmm. but you don't just you don't just shoot unarmed civilians. So that like that went on again. There's there's videos of that that are around on the internet. Uh, in context, um, they're unarmed. Were they protesting too long under the the um, state of emergency powers? Because this was all during lockdowns, where that where no one was meant to be going out and protesting. So under those powers, the police are doing their job, right? By the directions they're given. So there's this whole this whole divide in society. Like I, I mean, I can't speak for any officers. I do know officers, and I know that. They're genuine, decent people that care for, for others. I mean, I know that that's not true of everybody, but they don't like the way they've been portrayed and the way that they're being used to do their job. That's not what they signed up for. So so moving on from that, um, I guess that's where my interest really started due to the fact that I was sort of sitting at home going, you know, what what is going on here? This, this is crazy. The... The directions just keep getting more and more ridiculous. You know, we get up to eighty or ninety percent. I think we're at now, and that's or and then it's going like, no, we need more, we need more. Um, I think at the moment, people that are unvaccinated, we're still allowed to go to the shops for the next couple of weeks, and then we're locked out, possibly till two thousand and twenty-three. Now, again, like no other disease in the world ever has as these lockdowns and these directions ever been used. Um, you know, like I'm, I've never been political. I've, I've actually never been to a protest up until two weekends ago. That was my first ever. I was just like, I can't just stand by and just do nothing about this. And so what, what literally got you from your feet to the concrete? Was it the like just the the media spin of everything? Was it just how you were seeing your your freedoms just slowly get taken away? I mean, I, I don't. It must be difficult for a police officer or somebody. It would be like the military having to come in in, in the United States and like do stuff like I guess the National Guard does for us. Um, there were some reports that I heard of actual contract um security like mercenary kind of guys that they were using for um the policing there i don't know if that was in victoria or if it was in in melbourne victoria um so again watching live protests um these these officers or these security uh, personnel that they've brought in, they are all in dark blue, basically right gear, and they have a, a coloured patch, and that's how you can distinguish them. Completely covered. It's like a special operations group, basically. Now, no one knows who they are, where they came from, other than that they're like these heavy-duty security people, right? Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of what got me out the door, it's this this um, pandemic bill. Once I started to to read some of the things that that were on this, um, and it, it actually started from the Queen's Council when they came out and made comments. 
because Queen's Council, our, our top lawyers, they don't make comments, public comments usually. So for them to come out and make public comments about this and what they've actually said, I was just like, there's something, there's just something not right. Like this entire time I've just been denying that there's nothing going on and, you know, I'm just being ridiculous and conspiracy theorist. Yet these top lawyers have come out that like other people have come told to read or what we're told to see and you know even watching the mainstream media during a lot of this I've, I've watched most of it and a lot of the time I'm sitting at the TV just going you're lying I know you guys are lying like why would you spin that story that way and it just it just on and on and on and on and it's just evidence just keeps backing up it's just like wow okay and that's that the first one um I was so scared. I went actually with my partner. No, right? It was the first weekend uh, out of lockdown. So all of Victoria came out of lockdown just in time for the Melbourne Cup. So we get a nice double event. And uh, they're cool, letting everyone out do beauty. We could, you know, go and do something or we can actually just go and see if there's something going on here if you know it's worth standing up for we really feel strongly about this mm-hmm. so we went along and it was amazing that the, the people were beautiful the police are actually really good they uh it, obviously it was um it was tense for for a little bit of it because no one really knew what to expect mm-hmm. but it was it was just a really beautiful day you know people were walking along picking up rubbish putting it in the bin just just being decent human beings right yeah it was good. Um, after that, next, I guess we'll go next weekend. Um, then got to the Monday, somehow got a message in Telegram to come to a group. I was speaking to uh, Ang- Neil Angus, who's an MP here in Victoria. And I was like, that sounds interesting. You know, it might be a different perspective. Um, and li- pretty much since then, I've been sort of, involved with with that group that you were talking about yeah yeah. in trying to find ways to sort of just get information out to people um a lot of people i've spoken to don't didn't even know what the bill is i've spoken to other people and said aren't you concerned about this bill and they're like oh there's nothing in there that's concerned i'm like it's a 121 page document have you even read it so um um, I was at I was at my dad's place on the weekend. It's my mother's birthday. Queen's yeah. Council has, has commented on. So he did, and his face dropped. And I've never seen my dad so scared, right? Because he realised that the potential, and it's not to say that this will be the case. But the potential that, that somebody having this amount of power with no oversight is just so dangerous. And it's and it's not even that, like, let's stand The party will protect the party. And if they have to use him as, as the scapegoat to stay in power, then they will. So it's not as simple as Sack Dan Andrews. It's, it's 
our focus at the moment is obviously kill the bill mm-hmm. um, and the entire time just trying to send as much information out and just, just plant the seed in people's minds to start going, why are they making these these ridiculous statements and mandates? So where's a good place for people to get information on that? I have a uh, link in the description here that actually goes to um, uh, the petition uh, for yep. that that bill, I guess, or that guy, Sack Dan, whatever. Yep. Um, www.greataussiecomeback.com. All one word. Now, that's that's also... U-S-S-I comeback.com. That's the one. And that's that's basically the Telegram group, but uh, in a much better laid out format. So it'll have all the information from, from what we've been involved in. Um, it has steps on what to do. So whether or not people feel comfortable uh, writing letters, uh, you can actually, you can call Scott Morrison's office, the, the Prime Minister of Australia, and he has to actually take the message. His his assistant has to actually take the message, put it in an, um, an Excel file, and then he has to read it. So there's lots of different ways to basically bring attention to the MPs. Yeah, that's the page. Yeah, so that's the great Aussie comeback. Um, and so you can do a lot of different things here. So check it out. Um, if you want to help out, it has some, uh, this, uh, this actual, um, that's that video, right? The SOS from Australia. Yeah, that's, a, that's a compelling video. Yeah. So just for people that aren't aware, um, she is, I've forgotten her name. She's part of the reignite democracy um, campaign. Now she was actually locked up for like 20 days or something for speaking out for her political beliefs during, during these, the, uh, when it was actually during the lockdown when they're protesting. And this is what is proposed. Basically someone like myself after Tuesday. So any comments I make at the moment on social media, as far as I understand it, they can't do a lot about it, but come Tuesday, if the, if the bill passes, uh, this as long uh, this with the changes to the uh, there was another bill that went through the the identity um, bill and basically that means that our government and police can log into any of our social media accounts they can take over our account they can edit information uh, they can add information and this was all pushed through under the guys of uh, trying to catch pedophiles. But, again, the powers that they actually gave themselves were far, far, far greater than that. Um, and I honestly believe come Tuesday, if I continue to speak up, I start to fall in the category, depending on how much I say, of, uh, of where these things go, where I can be potentially locked up for two years, um, fines of $90,000, uh, detained due to my uh, class, I can be I can be deemed a certain class if I have a political view. There's all these, and it, it's because the way this is written, this legislation, it's so open ended. And again, the the person that has the power is the premier. There is uh, 
checks and balances, I guess. But the problem is those checks and balances are by self-appointed ministers. Mm-hmm. So he can basically, and he doesn't even have to listen to them, really. He can basically say, oh, look, no, nah, I've changed my mind. This is going down. Um, sorry, health minister, I don't agree with you. We've put a new health minister in that's going to toe the line, basically. And I could be completely wrong here. And I really hope I am because that's the best thing for Australia and, you know, potentially the rest of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Because if, if the suggestions are true with the whole Melbourne experiment and all that line of thinking, this is this could be the first step. Victoria is the test case and then on it gets pushed around the world under, again, the guys that, well, it happened in Victoria, they're okay, it's all good, we'll just use this as our model. Mm. So, yeah, as I said, it's... I've been having a look at this sort of a bit more seriously the last seven days and um, connecting with people around the world because, again, if if it goes down that path where someone like myself is locked up, we need people aware of what's going on. No, you're absolutely right. And do you mind if I play that video? I mean, what is it? It's no, like please do. Three, three or four minutes. So we're, we're going to go ahead and show you guys this uh, video. Let me get back to the share screen. Uh, screen one, share audio. Let me paint you a picture. Australia, once known as one of the safest and freest countries in the world a land of spirit and ceremony. A land of opportunity where the hopeful came for a new start so their children could be free and prosperous. Where the battler had a chance and poor men made good. A land where you were free to explore your surroundings. A land with room to spread one's wings. A land of brotherhood, celebration, and connection, a land where you came to visit and didn't want to leave, a land of privacy rights, medical rights, freedom of speech, freedom of movement, freedom to protest, freedom to worship, thanks to their sacrifice. But something happened. Today is the first full day of the New World Order. We've got to accept that this is the New World Order. The New World Order and the Australia we once knew is no more. Lockdown 6 was announced on August 5. It is no longer the land of the young and free. It is now a land of division, blackmail, coercion, discrimination and medical apartheid. A land where movement, speech, religion and opinion are no longer free. Protesting is illegal. Police must enforce corrupt policies to keep their jobs. As I won't be a police officer after the end of this interview. Police shoot protesters in the back while they are running away. Doctors and nurses cannot speak. They will lose their licence. I can't really talk about that. People have lost their jobs because they don't want the injection. Children are missing school and attempting suicide at a high rate. We need to show our papers to go shopping. If you want freedom, get the jab. We can't travel across state borders unless we apply for permission to. 
Members of Parliament are censored and defamed. 100% of those studies, it's a conspiracy theory. Pregnant women are arrested for a social media post. Search warrant. Search warrant for war. Activists who fight for democracy are imprisoned. The moment you're under arrest for incitement. Our human rights are gone. Our human rights are gone. It's time that we take off the COVID blinkers and look at what's happened to our once great and free country. Australia can no longer fight for itself. We have been silenced, assaulted, blackmailed and psychologically damaged. We tried to fight this battle alone. The government has instilled so much fear that we have lost our vigour to fight. We are a broken nation and although we will never give up, we need your help to continue our fight. We need help from our international friends. We are seeking your support to apply political and economic pressure on our leaders to change the destructive path that we are on. That is why we are organising a worldwide protest with Australia excluded in support of our plight for freedom. This is an official SOS from my beautiful country we plead with you to hear our cries for help. That's pretty powerful. It's uh, it's very emotive, isn't it? Yeah, there, there's been a couple of them that I've watched uh, that have been like, you, you just can't you can't uh it's really it's hard to believe honestly yeah. it's it's hard to believe what i'm what i'm seeing and it's probably hard to, for you to believe what you're seeing you're there you know what i mean living it firsthand and we're just getting sort of snippets of it uh out here so yeah i definitely uh you know because if if we don't stand up for this now and here this could export to all kinds of different places you know, and, and like I think with, with with that video, um, I guess my my doubting mind again goes that that is very emotive, and it's definitely grabbing your attention and setting you down a, a path. And the grabs of video that they did show that they all happened; they they hundred percent did happen. And in context, um, how they've been portrayed is going to elicit a response. That being said. All this stuff did happen. All this stuff is happening. Now, as I said, we've just been let out of, of lockdown. And so we've had the Melbourne Cup. They had 10,000 people there. Um, they had to be double jabbed. They had two positive COVID cases that came out of it. Anyway, this was, this was their grand plan to open up, show the world Australia's back on, Melbourne's back on, we can do this safely, but everybody else is getting locked out effectively. And it was, it's basically they've given us this little freedom, right, this, this little window, and then they've just tried to ram this bill through. The, in the lower house, uh, it got pushed through within two hours. So this 121-page piece of legislation, they couldn't have even read it in two hours, let alone had debate. It was, it was rammed through while... 
people are having their, their first little taste of freedom. There's a bit of sunshine. You know, we, my partner and I, we actually went to the Melbourne Cup. We uh, were part of the protest there outside. Um, we marched to the gate, came back, had a lovely picnic in the sun. It was absolutely beautiful. And we were sitting there going, this is what we should have been doing the last two years. If, if we didn't have COVID, we should have been allowed outside to the picnic, not whether our vaccination status or not. It's got nothing to do with it. If we don't have a disease, then why can't we go out to the park and where it's safe in the fresh air and, and, and have a date? So it's just, again, this all these uh, double standards. Um, again, going back to myself, I worked through the entire lockdowns as an essential worker and then I was told, sorry, now it's not good enough everything you've done for the last 20 years in your career. And I didn't, I haven't worked entirely as a, an electrician over that time. Um, I did work a little bit in Canada. I worked up in the mines in Queensland. Uh, I, I've got my own business here in Melbourne. Um, but it's like all that's for nothing. And it just makes no sense. Um, so what, what happens when they, when they lock you down? I mean, are you, do you don't have any income whatsoever? You can't pay your bills. Do they, do, do they give you money? Do they supplement you or are you just ass out on your own? Um, depending on the circumstances. Uh, so employees, depending on if they lost a certain amount of hours, they were eligible for payments. So there were, I think, a $750 a week payment. Um, if you were getting some hours, that was a little bit less. Uh, for myself, being a small business, I was very lucky to be eligible for a grant. So that'll probably see me through for hopefully another month. After that, um, I don't know what to do. I have some plans in place. Uh, we're trying to focus, as I said, on the next seven days, and then we'll, we'll reassess where we're at. Um, basically now, I think the payments have almost stopped. And it's just too bad. People have been taking leave without pay. Um, yeah, it's like, as in myself now, I'm just, that's it. It's too bad. If you don't get it, you, you can't work again. And it's basically coming into almost every single job that you, that you must have a vaccination to be able to work. So they're and, indirectly coercing you, basically. I mean, they're just, they're, they're yeah. taking away every... I mean, they're, they're, I feel, I can feel it kind of here too, as well. And not, not to the extent that you are over there. Um, but I mean, there's different, I can feel pushes, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, trying to, they're trying to feel their way into, to, to doing that here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, it like, I, it's like, how do you, like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to get that thing. I mean, it, it, you know what I mean? You don't, we don't know what's in it. First of all, you can't have informed consent when you don't know what's in something. And that's been the most difficult thing to have discussions with because, you know, I had a mate yesterday, can you just get the bloody jab and, and get on with your life? Like, we're so sick of this. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, you're an intelligent person. I, I can't believe that you haven't even realised that this is still experimental to 2023. Right, how can I give informed consent when this is still in a trial stage? Yeah. yeah. And, and like, so that's fine. I, you know, I respect his opinion and, and where he comes from. If that's what he chooses, that's fine. Um, I'm not going to deny him. And I, I, just, I want him to be safe. If, and if he thinks that's the best option for him, then that's, that's his choice. Um, mm -hmm. Whether I, I feel strongly opposed to that or not, that's not relevant. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's everybody's to each their own. I mean, it's like if that if that's you know from whatever, and, and this should go for everybody, man. I mean, whatever you have to do for you and your family to be able to do your research and find out what you feel comfortable with, you know what I mean? Because that's what it comes down to. It's about what you feel comfortable with putting into your body by the research that you've done and what you've been told. And it's not going to be the same as the other person down the street. And it doesn't have to be, that's their choice. That's their choice to do what they want. And like, I don't have the choice to come and impose my will on you or anybody else. Right. And nobody should have the ability to impose their will on me or anybody else, you know, and that's just the way it should be. And how, like how we're moving away from that to me is just like, crazy and there's so many people that are willing to, to raise their hand and me 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 pick, pick me pick me that's really uh like i i i see people i see looks on people's faces um i i notice and how they struggle to make eye contacts their heads are down um it's it's fear it's it's almost like a cult they've been they've been conditions and brainwashed to this point where they just have no fight left in them. They just, they don't see a way out because they don't see that anyone's with them. And that's, that's how I felt until I went along to the protest and realized there's actual real people, not just people out in the wide web that are thinking the same way as you. So it was, it was getting away from the TV then because that TV, that TV is your, is your abuser. That's right. That te- that television is your abuser. If you feel like you're in a narcissistic abusive relationship, you are, and it's with the fucking television. And right. if you're watching the news and and you're listening to that every time, why do you why do you think it they have to flash that shit at you so much, right? The same message over and over and over and over and over and over again, right? At some point, you become the message. If you if you if you listen to it and watch it long enough, that's exactly what's what's happened and where we were going. And uh, hold on, you're 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 getting choppy. You're getting choppy. I missed everything you just said. Even the whole time I'm being brainwashed. Oh, that's the first thing I heard the whole time it brainwashed. Everything else was was choppy, man. It was the uh, it was the alternative media gremlins not wanting people to hear the information. Yeah, no, I'm just saying I forced myself to watch the news to see what they were trying to say, and now I I don't I've stopped watching it purely because. I don't want them to keep manipulating me and being abusive towards me. Oh yeah. I remember doing that exact same thing. And I was literally, as soon as I turned it on, I was just like, ah, man, turn it off, man. Turn that off. Get it away from me. I don't want to have nothing to do with it, man. 
and my days are so much nicer now that I don't listen to none of that and I don't get activated, you know, in the morning before work. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like, all right, turn on the news before you, while you're getting ready to go to work. Right. And you get activated then you get, a- it's just, it's just this cycle, man, that until you, until you pull yourself out of it, you're not gonna, you're, you're just going to be stuck in that trance. But it's everywhere. So I like to listen to the radio a lot in the morning. Um, every single station is, it's the vaccination message. You must get vax. You must do this. I now, I just turn the radio off now as soon as that, that starts, the propaganda starts. But it's, oh, it's you, YouTube as well. Yeah. YouTube, YouTube as well. I mean, it's, it's all over the place. And I remember seeing some some uh, commercials that were going in your area, and some of those commercials were horrifying, like yep. just how they're portray- like painting the unvaccinated. Like I remember there was this one, and it was like this: "Oh, we will take you, and we will will make you very comfortable at the end of your life, and all this stuff, and all this nice music, and it's painting this beautiful picture of." of clouds and and rays of sun as you're getting ready to depart from this earth and then at the very end it says uh even we will take care of you you brave anti you you brave uh anti-vaxxer or something whatever it was i don't know you brave uh did not covid denier that's what it was you brave covid denier i was like oh my god well- I feel so dirty having just watched this. <laughs> yeah, even with the protests, they uh, they keep labeling us labeling us as anti vaxxers I'm not an anti vaxxer I've had I've had vaccines before. Uh, my partner and I were discussing, you know, different um, treatment options, whether it was Novavax or one of the others. We still don't know how we feel about that. We would love more information about that so we can make informed decisions. Our government has denied us of of choice for what's best for our own individual circumstances. How dare they? It's not a one size fits all. This is health. This is our own individual health. Well, even diets are not a one size fits all. Everybody's body's different reacts to everything differently. Like you and I could take the same pill and I could have a completely different reaction to it than you did. You know what I mean? It might be bad for me and good for you. Maybe good for you, bad for me. The the thing is, is that that nothing has been done long enough for us to even get any information on it. And the information that they have given us, they've twisted it around. They've manipulated numbers. They've the statistics. I mean, you can lie and say whatever you want with statistics. They can, they can, you can make them say whatever you need them to. I, I, I remember seeing not that long ago, there was a billboard on a bus over in the UK and it said, even young people have heart attacks. Like, Uh-oh. yeah, of course they do. No, they but don't. Then, and, then, <laughs> and then there's another one where it was another and I was speaking to one of my mates here and he's, he's pro-vax and we have some wonderful discussions backwards and forwards um, because we want to find out the truth, right? Mm-hmm. And he was saying, look, that's actually a really good health initiative. And I agree. Like if people, elderly people that are at risk of heart disease or whatever, have a heart monitor, fantastic. But don't don't try and slide it in under the table like um, these conditions out of nowhere if, if 
there might be something that that might be contributing to that. Um, and again, I'm not a doctor; I'm an electrician, so I can only talk about my own individual circumstances. Uh, lots, lots of information. It doesn't matter which politician that you look at, even Jacinda Ardern over in New Zealand. The, the language that she uses, it's disgusting. Mm. She was talking about um, the other day about locking people out of society and it basically confirmed it with a smirk on her face, like that's exactly what we're doing. That's exactly yeah. what we're doing to these people. We're locking them out. Like, and for what? Yeah, she had that. She had that. She, oh, man, that was I, – I know what that, that was, man. That was, like, taunting. Like, yeah, yes. what? What? What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> you know, I was like, holy shit. This, this, this lady is crazy. <laughs> and, and, and she looked crazy saying it. And then I saw another one with her. Like, I've seen a few of them with her. And just, just the arrogance that she has. Um, like, you know that she, like, she's the ruler, right? And yep. she she acts just like it, and she treats like just like you said the words that she uses, her mannerisms, everything about what she does is like basically in your face. Fuck you! What are you gonna do about it? Yeah, but the thing is, so watching, I said I'm not really watching a lot of politics, but but sort of watching people mm-hmm. over the last I'm going to say five years, um, even Daniel Andrews, I've I was convinced by both of them. I thought, you know, they seem like fairly decent human beings. You know, I agree with some of your policies. I don't agree with everything, but generally I think you've got the best interests of your nation at heart. And to see some of these videos that have, have come out and just the way she's uh, handled, her, handled herself, mm-hmm. her the behaviour is disgusting. As a leader, to have no compassion for, for parts of your community, they're still human beings. Yeah, well, that's part of the problem. They're so far yep. removed. They're so far removed from average, everyday, normal people that they've lost touch with, like, what the needs of the people really are versus the needs of you and your people, not the people that put you where you're supposed to put you in these positions, you know? And I don't know, man, there's some people that just want to be served and some people that just, you know, are, are down to serve other people. And I'm not one of those, man. I mean, I don't, I, I don't like having a job where I have to be nice to people that don't deserve it. You know what I mean? It's like, I yeah. like being in a profession where, and I was, I did that before. Like I was a, a food server and I was like, dude, these people are so shitty. You know, I don't want to be nice to them. I don't want to, you know, have to serve your food with a smile on my face. And so it was horrible for me because people that are shitty don't deserve that. You know, so hey, I definitely appreciate your time and sharing your uh, knowledge of what's going on in in your country and what you guys are going through and dealing with. Uh, for everybody who's watching this or is going to be watching this in the next few days, uh, hit the direct link below. It'll take you to the uh, to the petition to sack Dan. Um, I believe, and there was like 70,000 when I signed it. So and that was like a few days ago. So there's got to be probably close to 80 to a hundred thousand on it now. 
Yeah, there's, and there's a whole lot of different uh, petitions and letters and people have been calling and it's basically just, it's record now. It's all about getting out their public record that people do not agree with this uh, on the assumption that we're not going to reach enough people in time. So it's not all over. There are other things uh, in place that, that will continue. Um, but, geez, if we can if we can stop this one, it's a great start. Um, and then there's the website but, right there, the great AussieComeback.com. So, yeah, look, if to everyone out there that's listening and watching this, um, please, just over the next week or so, just keep your, your eyes out. We'll, uh, we'll keep trying to put out as much information as possible to keep you guys updated. Um, and I'm sure now that connections are being made all around the world, they, they can't stop all of us from speaking. So, you know, hold your loved ones. Look out, go for a walk out in the sunshine, and um, yeah, there's still plenty of good in the world. But um, it just each one of us has to do that one thing, right? Just just do whatever your one truth is to yourself. If it feels like strong enough that you need to do it, you're compelled to do it. Just do it. Send that one email, show that one video, sit down, have that conversation with someone. Just um, yeah, just just show love because that's that's how we're going to get out of this. If we we just go down their path and show hate, we're we're doomed. Yeah, absolutely. That's what they want, and we can't let them win. So uh, love conquers all. And I, as 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 corny as that sounds, and and me saying it, feeling corny saying it, it really is the truth because when you're in love or you're you're not in love but i mean when you're in that emotion of love or or loving things that are around you you vibrate at a, at a higher vibration than you do uh when you're in that other lower sort of you know hatred and and you know disgust and and all the things that go along with those lower vibrating uh things right yep which and again that goes back to the manipulation that's why people are in that place because they've been basically they've got no hope they don't they don't see a way out so we can help them but it's going to take time yep yep absolutely thanks ash i appreciate it and uh i will definitely i'll send you i'll send you the uh you can check this out anytime that you want but when i post it to the uh to the podcast audio only like itunes spotify i'll send you the links to all that stuff beautiful thanks so much sean for giving me the platform yeah, no problem, man, and I appreciate it. And keep me updated too. Anytime you want to come on, feel free to hit me up. And uh, if you've got some something, you got a few people that you want to have a have a you know chat party with down there. Feel hit me up, man. I'll set it up. Beautiful. I'll uh, I'll be in the background doing talking. All right, cool. Thanks, Bye, mate. Man. Take care. See ya. Bye. All right. Well, if you've been watching. Um, it's uh, very, very concerning what's happening in Australia and New Zealand and all of those uh, places down there in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, I, I hope that it doesn't come here, uh, but who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what the intention of it actually is and what the end game of this all is? So lots of different uh, uh, theories out there, lots of different ideas of, of what it is, but... Uh, if you want to know more and and uh, you know hop into the uh, to the movement of trying to help out Australia and getting back or getting onto their side and Team Australia, go to the dot com. 
Uh, there was also to the Melbourne experiment uh, that you can check out as well. Uh, Melbourne experiment. Uh, com. It's another one. So uh, thanks for checking out the program. Uh, I will have more of these for you. I have a few, I think every Monday now, or the next two Mondays, I have something scheduled. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, thanks for checking out the show. I appreciate you. I appreciate uh, you being a listener and a, and a watcher and an audience member. So until next time, keep it 100. Stay true to yourself. Everything else is just noise. You've been listening to the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. Sean is a single dad, a union blue-collar guy, and he spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. When he was released from prison in 2006, all he had was the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and some paperwork. Since then, he's turned his life around and shares the struggles and successes on this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you were moved to connect to the show. Book a guest spot. For merch, Patreon, PayPal, and social media links, go to linktr.ee slash nowhere to go but up. On Instagram at nowhere to go but up now. On Twitter at but up now. On the YouTube channel at nowhere to go but up podcast. See you next time.